Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. It is the final segment of the show. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Thomas Trance. We're live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Calm. I thought the beeping was a Bukala thing, Drancer, but it appears to be a you thing. What is beeping? Beeping? Do you hear? You not hear a beeping? I don't hear a beeping. Oh you hear a beeping? Well, people are texting in about it as well. I hear a beeping in my headphones. A faint beeping. Somebody asked if somebody was hooked up to a heart rate monitor. That's what it sounds like. Like a faint, like beeping in a hospital room. Anyways, uh, we'll move on. I'm. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you Do you want me that. to rejoin? Should I try to rejoin? No, no, Is no, it my no. fault? No, I don't think it's your fault. I have no idea what's going on. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll power through, buddy. We will power must, through must here. must be a day that ends with why. Neither <laughs> of us has any idea what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Very well played. Uh, glad to have you back on the uh, – back connected, back on the show here. Uh, and final segment of the day. So uh, because we had the crossover earlier, we'll do the whiteboard right now. Let's get into it. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Uh, it is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, February 7th, starting with the headlines. As we talked about earlier in the show, the Canucks began the sprint to the end of the regular season with a 3-2 road win over the Carolina Hurricanes in Elias Lindholm's debut. He scores twice on the power play in addition to doing a lot of other things as well. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, Drancer, but I did want to read this tweet. came in from Johnny in Kelowna who says, I'm starting to find the word that best describes the Canucks is professional. That inspires a lot of confidence. I find myself thinking that a lot. I do think that's a good word to sum up the win last night. As you said earlier, you know, really good first 20, 25 minutes. Then maybe, you know, Carolina has uh, has more of the run of play after that. But never a collapse moment, never a hair-on-fire moment, a professional road win against a really good team for the Canucks. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really solid performance with 25 minutes where they looked really good. And the rest of it was solid stuff from the Canucks closing out a tough road win in a spot where a lot of other top teams, you know, had their hiccups in their mm. return to action, which, which I think highlights, you know, what, what makes it so impressive. Well, it's a good point, too, right? Because Calgary goes out and on the road beats Boston last night. And now you look up and, you know, however you want to go to the NHL standing page and sort it. If you want to use the default points, if you want to use points percentage, whatever you do, the Canucks are in first place now, right? And, and, they will have and a, with a cushion. And with, they'll have a chance to remain in first place. Uh, well, they'd be tied if they lose in regulation to Boston. They'd both be sure. at 73 points in 51 games at that point. Now, I guess the Canucks would still have the regulation win uh, tiebreaker, yeah. so they'd still be in first. So there you go. Even if they lose, they'll technically <laughs> be in first place. This isn't even a battle for first on Thursday because the Bruins cannot pass the Canucks. The Bruins, uh, the, <laughs> the Bruins didn't take their end, didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And yeah, no, look, they're first in goal differential. They're first in regulation wins. They are like... Not quite first, but almost first in goals scored. Basically, any measure of team quality. And the Canucks are right at the top of the list right now in the NHL standings uh, after that one. And, uh, you know, of course, the other part of this headline, not just the win for the Canucks, which is important. 
And I know Rick Tockett was happy uh, with how they played as well. But for Elias Lindholm to come in and, you know, I think you used the word a seamless fit in his first Mm -hmm. game with the Canucks, just sliding right into the lineup, gets rewarded with the two goals, which I think is big just for his comfort level. But that's not the only thing he did well. And that's not, you know, I I did think it was funny. We talked on the show yesterday and you asked me, like, what's the best case scenario look like for Lindholm with the Canucks? And. I mean, I thought we kind of saw it last night, right? Just checking oh, all Oh, see, of- I don't think we did. Well, not not necessarily that he can't be more impactful than that, but so much of it to me is about the number of boxes he can check and the number of ways he can be used with confidence, and that's what we saw last night, used in all situations. See, I thought we saw the floor. Like, I thought and, – and now, you know, the point of that exercise was to illustrate the floor being so high, mm. right? As, like, it, like it was um, – you know, it, it was a, really an exercise designed to point to why the floor raising elements of this deal are where the value's like safest. But also, you know, e- even if because for me, the ceiling case is like requires him to add a gear offensively uh, to what you're seeing with one of Pedersen or Miller. Right. Mm. And, and I thought last night anyway, I thought we saw a really good defensive performance from the Pedersen line, but they it's not like, like I can't even tell you about a five alarm scoring chance they had at, at even strength. Sure, I guess I just look at it and it's like, well, they they completely wiped the Aho line off the map, basically, right? Like yep. they played him to Which a draw good. on the road. That's sure. that's good. You know what I mean? That's good. That's good. But you know, again, I think you'd like to see them generate more than two shots on goal, sure, right? That's I mean, fair. yes, the Aho line had one shot; they had two. You know, I I mean, it wasn't a huge margin it's good to be able to shut a line down but what i'm talking what usually when i'm talking about like giving the Pedersen line an extra gear five on five i'm talking about that line generating more right i, I mean other than the jt miller goal I, you know i don't know that we'd call it like a banner night in terms of the offensive generation right forget forget goals like i'm talking about like the the quality of chances the amount of heavy shifts for Vancouver's top six forwards, right? Like, uh, I, you know, I thought the Garland line was once again their best line five-on-five, five, their most dangerous line five-on-five, five, which has been the story most nights this season for this team and is something that I think, you know, if the Lindholm ceiling case hits, I think is something where hopefully you'll get more nights where, wow, the Miller line was flying out there, right? Mm. More more nights where the Pedersen line, like, oh, my goodness, you know, the, the team – just crush them territorially in those minutes like that. That's sort of the gear that I'm hoping we'll get from Lindholm once he's fully integrated into this lineup. I don't think we saw that in his debut, but what we did see is all the different ways that he can help yeah. and sort of subtly raise this team's floor with some positive knock on a knockoff effects uh, thereafter. Well, I think just to your point, I mean, I think we're kind of talking around the same thing, right? But the baseline yep. is so high and that's what you saw, right? So you're going to get that consistently where he is just, an easy piece to use for Rick Tockett in so many different ways. And I like, I'm not under, I, I think where the reason I'm coming at it a little differently is for me, the ability to use the Pedersen line without worry about the matchup at all is so yeah. huge. That's so significant yep. and such a big difference uh, over having Andre Kuzmenko there. That's what really stands out uh, to me as well about Lindholm's debut. Somebody texted in earlier. Could one of the knock-on effects be Elias Pettersson's ice time increases a little bit, right? With a super reliable running mate on his wing. And I think that's absolutely something we could see going forward uh, from Rick Tockett now that he has that line that he can depend on. 
anything else you want to hit on the uh, on, on the headline front here? Um, no, I think Canucks win. Canucks first in the NHL, stretching their lead. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I think is notable is you know the the additional space put between them and the Edmonton Oilers. Right, yep. a four point swing last night. Um, you know, and and the value of locking the Golden Knights into a first round cage match against Vegas is just so so big. Like there's so much value there for the Canucks in terms of their Stanley Cup playoff odds or Stanley Cup actual Stanley Cup, like they're out their win chances. outright odds. Yeah, which you know is sort of where we should be focused, right? I mean, really, at this point, when you're when you're yeah. when it's February seventh and you're first in the NHL, like yeah, that's absolutely what you start to think about and how you start to kind of measure everything that's happening around this team. Uh, broadsheet. I mean, we had not really a, a full update from from Dollywell. He was kind of giving more of his opinion, but you know, this team will look. I think that's where we're all kind of settled at this point in terms of the rumor roundup here and the reporting on this team is don't expect them to be completely done but also don't necessarily expect another big swing. And I think the team is going to dictate uh, what they do or don't do between now and the deadline. Yeah. And injuries, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, we'll get into it a little more in the lineup section, but like, I would assume that Phil DiGiuseppe is at least an option given yes. some other roster machinations, which again, uh, we'll touch shortly, but the, you know, so I would say they have a rainy day fund. Like that to me is also important. You almost, especially if you're talking about like, Upgrading your sixth or seventh defenseman or, you know, getting some additional size up front. Like if you if you're talking about real finishing pieces, like specialist type pieces um, and adding those for like, you know, doing that early, given that the Canucks carved out some additional cap flexibility also impinges on your ability to react in real time. Right. If you have an injury in net, the ability to go get Kakinen, right, yeah. becomes far more important than upgrading, you know, on Noah Juleson, who's played well and played well again last night, right? Um, so priorities could shift, too, because of, you know, the slings and arrows that inevitably befall teams over a long 82-game season. And, you know, I think that's a big factor here, too, and why the Canucks should and will probably keep their powder dry for a minute. Lineup notes today. So, first of all, day off for the team on the road. They'll play in Boston, of course, tomorrow. So, we'll expect to see uh, a game day skate and some lineup combinations and hear from Rick Tockett tomorrow on a Same game lineup, day. man. We're not going to oh, see yeah, any lineup for changes. For sure. But, you know, we'll still, we'll still mention it. We'll be able to talk about it tomorrow. Sure. Uh, but in terms of roster moves, as you alluded to, uh, we mentioned it with Donnie and Dolly earlier on the crossover as well. Linus Carlson continues to rack up those frequent flyer miles uh, assigned to Abbotsford today by the team. And very strong indication, I would expect, that Phil Giuseppe, who's been out injured for a while but has been skating with this with the team, uh, should be good to go and rejoin the roster. But what's fascinating is, you know, Phil Giuseppe, of course, a Rick Tockett favorite from the moment he's arrived in Vancouver, starting the season playing next to JT Miller and Brock Besser because of so, you know, he does so many things that Rick Tockett really likes. I mean, does he get back into the lineup? How long does it take him to get back into the lineup with the way this team is constructed and the way this team is playing right now? Yeah, for I mean, as of one thirty Pacific time, uh, he remained on injured reserve, mm-hmm. right? So he hasn't been activated yet officially, but I would be surprised given that the club has back-to-backs if they're, you know, uh, over the weekend. Like, I don't think they'd be reassigning Linus Carlson if 
they didn't have an extra forward already with them, and that would require not, a De Giuseppe activation. Not after one game of a five-game road trip, right? Like, there's clearly – I don't think you're just doing that. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, we don't need an extra forward around. I think that clearly speaks to – Something is happening, whether it's Phil DiGiuseppe or you know another call up or whatever. But uh, I would expect Phil DiGiuseppe to be activated here at some point. But I mean, what do you think? Do, like, do you? Because I guess the play would be you bump Pew Suter down to the fourth line, you take out Niels Amon, and you put Phil DiGiuseppe back in that spot. Like, oh, do you man. do that right now? Though I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. And it's and you know. Like, make no mistake, the thing that's kept Neil Zaman in the lineup is that they've really liked his penalty yep. killing, and for good reason, right? He's been, like, over the course of this season, we've seen them bump up the usage of Cole, Bluger, Myers, uh, you know, Neil Zaman, right, in, in terms of their PK usage. Like, that's mm-hmm. spiked over the course of the season, and we've seen a concurrent drop in the usage of uh, Pedersen, although he remains as sort of a PK3 guy, JT Miller, uh, Philip Peronic, Quinn Hughes. Like, it, Vancouver's m- most skilled players have sort of seen their penalty-killing responsibilities diminish. Uh, but it's Neil Zaman's work four-on-five that has kept him in the lineup, that has kept him, um, you know, and, and I think will continue to keep him in the lineup ahead of Phil DiGiuseppe, you know, unless I think this team really feels like they need to shake something up, yeah. right, in terms of their top six group, which... Um, you know, I don't think they're at that point just yet. No, they're gathering information, right? And th- yeah. I think that's where we're at. I mean, it, I do think it's fair to throw Phil DiGiuseppe's name in the kind of internal candidates for that role uh, hat, right? Because, you know, we've seen Rick Tockett really like him, but there's no obvious place to plug him right back into the lineup right now, uh, which speaks to just how well the Canucks are playing and how well Neil Zaman has done in the penalty kill that he's kind of earned that spot in the lineup. One other thing I did just want to note in terms of uh, lineup notes and, you know, roster construction and all that, Nikita Zadorov minutes down playing with Noah Juleson yesterday, actually played the fewest minutes of any defenseman on the team. And, of course, it was just early last week that we were you know, hearing his name out there and all that. I Look, I'm just throwing it out there. Something to monitor, something to watch, right? Because what we're doing now is kind of trying to guess what, where the team is gathering this information, what they're seeing out of the team. And, you know, I think that's a signal, right? That's a signal. Not that they're, you know, really displeased with Zdorov or anything, but it just gives you a sense of the pecking order on the blue line right now and where he sits in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you're right. That is worth noting. So we'll see. We'll see if that trend continues. But uh, that's one thing that stood out to me from the game last night. All right. Playoff forecast. And this is exciting because, you know, for the All-Star break, obviously not a lot of changing uh, in the playoff forecast on a day-to-day basis. But now we do because the Canucks, of course, win in Carolina last night. As we've talked about, Edmonton loses. So big, big day for the Canucks in terms of their chances to win the Pacific in Dom L's model. They go up 10 points to a 74% chance to win the the, the division. Excuse me. And I think I would now be 
comfortable calling them the prohibitive favorites uh, to win the Pacific Division Drancer. Edmonton drops to a 19% chance. Vegas at 6. LA clinging to a 1% chance to win the division. As you mentioned as well, really, really looking likely that we see Vegas and Edmonton in some form in the first round in that 2-3 matchup in the Pacific. So that's huge. And, you know, just looking at the conference race, which we've talked about as really important and, you know, not important in terms of playoff seeding, but certainly very interesting, the league-wide race. The Canucks are now projected by this model to finish with 113 points. That's first in the conference, first in the NHL. Dallas and Boston are next at 110 points each. So they've opened up a little bit of a cushion in terms of those projections even. Projected to win the division, projected to win the conference, projected to win the President's Trophy right now in Dom Lucision's model drancer. Uh, Unbelievable Truly unreal. A a dream season continues (laughs) without question. Seriously. Like, yeah, and you, and you know, I'm looking it over, and like the Canucks points over under. We'll move moving to the gambling section, but pivoting off what you were talking about, um, you know, the Canucks points over under is now at a, a hundred and eleven five. Woo! I, I mean, you can find it in at, at different levels there, but hundred eleven five uh, at multiple uh, multiple ones of the big American sports books that have this updated. The only other team with an over-under set that high is the Boston Bruins. Like, there's no one else in that tier in terms of what Vegas is going to take bets on uh, for their regular season performance. And this sort of dovetails with a conversation that I think is going to um, be heard a little more frequently. You know, the books vary mm-hmm. on on Stanley Cup outrights pretty pretty wildly, right? I mean, there are, there are books that have the Canucks 10-1, to 1, which would be tied with the Hurricanes and Rangers and behind only your Oilers, Avalanche, Bruins, um, you know, Panthers tier of teams. But the consensus, the consensus still has the Canucks something something closer to like 14 to 1, um, which would be tied with Toronto and Winnipeg and, and behind like both Vegas and Edmonton, you know, one of whom, if, you, if the Canucks are prohibitive favorites in the Pacific, isn't even going to make it to the second round. Right. So uh, at what point do we start to discuss this Canucks team as one, you know, representing real value? Yep. Uh, you know, and, and one thing I note is like that 10 percentage point swing for the Canucks to win the Pacific um, in Dom's model is not reflected in the sports books today. Right. The Canucks went from like minus 150 to minus 162 um, sort of consensus to win the Pacific. Edmonton's odds basically un, undented. Now, I guess the logic is is that if you're betting Edmonton, you're betting on them continuing on such an unholy tier. But if you buy that the four-point swing last night mm-hmm. should have significantly tilted the Pacific Division toward the Canucks, well, there's a way to get actual value on that right now in the gambling market. So I just wanted to spotlight that, um, that gap between Dom's model and, and the betting markets on Pacific Division futures today. Uh, line has opened in Canucks versus Bruins tomorrow. Uh, Canucks plus 110. Uh, they're priced at plus 108 in some places, plus 115 in some others, but plus 110 is a consensus among sports books. Uh, opening is Road Dogs in Boston. Boston minus 130, minus 135, minus 132, depending on where you bet them, but minus 130 is a consensus average. Um, 
you know, home favorites tomorrow. So that's it's not a pick 'em, but that's uh, pretty close. You know, if you think that there's not a lot of respect for the Canucks, um, if you think there's not a lot of respect for the Canucks in the futures markets, well, this line is telling you that the gap between these teams is basically the the average price of home ice. Yeah. Basically, and that's it. two equal teams. One happens to be on the road. One one's at home. So that, that that's it. That's what this yep. line reflects. The home so, team gets the nod. Um, so you know, I, I don't go t- don't go overboard with the Vegas isn't giving the Canucks enough respect commentary because this line will tell you otherwise. Well, and it's going to be interesting to track where those Stanley Cup futures go, right? And how quickly. And I think having made the Lindholm trade, and you know, if they do beat Boston, if they do get a couple of those kind of marquee wins under their belt like I think you got to see those shift at some point a little bit uh, and I'm not saying it's disrespect or anything I think they're just naturally a little slower to change than obviously things like a game line or anything like that right yeah oh I, I also think it's what Vegas and, and what the betting markets themselves tend to value in analyzing teams right I mean Boston's been first or you know right at the top mm-hmm you know, currently second in the NHL literally all season. But so long as the Oilers are stable, right? So long yep. as the Avalanche are stable, that you know, Boston's been a distant third despite their regular season performance behind those two clubs, right? Neck and neck with the Florida Panthers. Um, and, I, you know, neck and neck with the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think that shows you what the market really values in terms of what sustainable winning looks like. And, and the market sort of tends to view the Bruins as being a little too goalie dependent, um, you know, which is logical, at least, whether you agree or not. This is a good text. Somebody says, hey, guys, is that Dom's model on life support that we can hear in the background? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I got to say, that's a very I mean, good chirp. Did did you see though? Did you see that like thing that was like the Canucks have outperformed statistical oh, models man. just by like almost them? Well, but 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 by seventeen and a half points on average. Yep. Which like at the point we're at in the season, right? Like everything has to be prorated, right? Seventeen and a half points of overperformance at the end of the year is amazing. Yeah. But when you're talking about you know. Um, 60% of the season like it's an even bigger gap than that no one no one no team has outperformed the models at anything close to the clip that the Canucks have uh through the first 50 ish I guess 50 exact 50, for the Canucks exactly. games of the year and um and yet the model that was highest on them right the model yep. that I was leaning on when I said hey I think there's value on the Canucks to be plus 140 to make the playoffs I think there's value on the Canucks uh over uh, Dom's model was the highest on this team, like by a matter of three or four points over over the consensus within the industry. So, not a win for Dom. It was off the <laughs> least in less, analyzing a this less team. bad loss. Uh, but yeah. that happens. Everyone like predicting hockey is really hard. Whether you're using a model, whether you're just yeah. doing it off the top of your head. Uh, well, and those margins, those margins. Like if you want to model to outperform Vegas, which Dom's model has. This season, his projections have beaten the over-unders as set by the books to open the air. Like, if you know, those margins, right? Like, hey, I didn't lose by as much as everyone else mm. on this team. Those margins matter. So, yeah. uh, anyway, there, there's my there's my um, jumping in front of bullets for Dom decision for no reason in the Vancouver market <laughs> uh, segment of the day. You've had to do an awful lot of that this year for, <laughs> for well, some reason. I'm, I want to be clear. I'm never defending him personally, although I do ah. quite enjoy him as a colleague. I'm, but his data is good, and that's not going to change. Yeah, and look, we we cite it in the whiteboard because 
for more than anything else, it's updated daily. It's really easy to track. You can kind of get a and good sense of where leader. it's going. And it's the industry leader, right? But like yeah, year over year, it you have this, Vegas. You have this uh, interesting track record and history of where they've been at different points. And right now, the model has truly never been higher on the Canucks uh, than it is at this moment coming out of the win against Carolina. We're going to wrap up here. It's a game day tomorrow on the show, so we'll be back on the air. Looking forward to it. Keep it right here on Sportsnet 650.